Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of That Kind of Nerds podcast. I am CJ Mellon, and I am joined by the one and only Brian Thornton. There's actually more than one Brian Thornton, but I'm the moment. That's, that's true. Hold on. That is very true. Uh, the That Kind of Nerd one that didn't randomly show up on a hangout with us. Yes, exactly. The one I plan to speak to tonight. I'm the most important one. That's all that <laughs> We are going to talk uh, a little bit about The Killing Joke. Uh, the the movie that DC released, the animated film, uh, and Brian's obviously going to bring his wonderful knowledge of the source material along with him. Uh, we figured since we had a discussion about Suicide Squad, uh, we got to at least talk a little bit more about DC and some stuff that they released because we, we gave the same uh, length of time for this. So um, I, I'll give you a little backstory for this. that I have not read The Killing Joke. This is my first, I know, shake your head in shame, everybody. Shake your, shame me, shame me. This is my first exposure. This is where you drop in that scene from Game of Thrones. Damn, now I gotta find it. Shame. This is my first exposure to the killing joke. I've heard it in passing and understood some of it, but I've never actually seen it or read it. And um, afterwards, after watching this, I actually looked up some of the the, the panels and, and looked at some of the original stuff. And Brian, I can see why everyone loves this story. It is the quintessential Batman Joker story. One of the greatest Batman Joker stories ever told. Fantastic book. Um, And in my opinion, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I mean, I definitely could see some of the complaints that are happening about it. But as the DC fanboy and me, I enjoyed the ride. I thought they did the the killing joke part of it justice. Um, CJ, I know you were saying to me that you also really enjoyed this too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a whole, right, In- including the stuff that seemed to agitate a lot of, of, of fellow DC fanboys. Um, as a whole, though, I did love the story. And But let's talk about something that was super critical to someone like me who hasn't read a whole lot of Batman, who's done investing in Batman. I only watched the, the 90s animated series, and there we are, the two people who make Batman and the Joker for me. Yeah, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill uh, returning, reprising, reprising, however you pronounce it, their roles. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, th- that was pure nostalgia for me. Every time I read a Batman book, I read it in Kevin Conroy's voice. If mm-hmm. Joker's there, it is Mark Hamill all the way. He is the Joker, and man, he did such a great job with such. this movie. Every every voice actor in this did a great job. The animation on it, too, is, is just fantastic. And, I mean, and not to – honestly, I, I completely glossed over this. Tara Strong, as Batgirl, who was mm-hmm. Batgirl in the animated series again, just a phenomenal job again with her and her portrayal and her performance. I, I just – I loved it. And again, I mean, it was – Adult subject matter, but I felt like a kid watching the animated series again. It was great. So what we'll do is we'll talk about the killing joke itself, the the source material of the animated series, and then we'll talk about the prologue uh, after, because uh, that's where all the controversy versus lies, and I'd rather just focus right now on the main story. So again, I hadn't seen this stuff before, and damn, is this a dark world that that we're jumped into and we're used to seeing dark and gritty dark and gritty right as as we've talked about a million times on the podcast but is this the comic that launched the really dark part of the the batman universe this comic came in that kind of wave when comics stopped being for kids and stopped being the 66 batman and started being more mature and more dark it really started with in 86 with Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. 
This came out later that same year. Um, Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen, wrote this. It is uh, illustrated by Brian Boland, who has an amazing, does an amazing job of interiors and, and has an amazing ability to really bring some of these like darker and grittier themes, make them more real, make them more terrifying. Um, so and for it, those it of is, you who are playing the home game, interiors is not design work; it's the inside of the comic book. So he means the, like the actual panels inside so of the comics. Okay. No, listen, there's some people who don't speak the nerdy talk, and that's what we're here for. Um, but it's not the thing that brought it about, but it definitely helped. It definitely sure. kind of made this this dark and gritty tone viable, especially with how well it's done. This You're talking about a comic book that's been in like five, six different printings. It's really it – is, it is a character-driven story. It is not about a particular thing or a case. It is Joker's not trying to rob a bank or poison the water supply. He is trying to prove a point. And it's a very uh, overarching mental story about he's just trying to show Batman that, again, all, all you need is one bad day and you can be just like me. You can be just like the Joker. Any person can turn into me. This really dives into the psychology of Batman and the Joker. And it's it's funny because on our other show, Hey, Did You See, we've drawn parallels to this with Sherlock and right. Moriarty. I tried to. Uh, right. At least every episode so far. So far. Uh, but this is really the a sense of, just like you said, there's a very famous speech within, there's a couple famous speeches, but the, the one is, Joker says, just one bad day, right? One bad day and you'll end up being me right so his plan is to take the best person that we know in the batman universe we know batman is not perfect Mm -hmm. we know he's a little he's a little crazy and so is everybody else who decides to don that cape and cow or or mask and cow with him he takes commissioner gordon and he starts systematically breaking apart his life starting by attacking and allegedly assaulting assaulting his daughter and then showing him pictures of it and, and stripping him naked and, and making him go through this entire cabal of, you know, what's Trauma really that, that happened to Barbara. Right. And, and not even just that, because before he even starts kind of berating him with the, the pictures of the things he did to Barbara, he's showing him, uh, you know, he's describing a man someone who flagrantly just disobeys the law and, and takes the law into his own hands. What would you do with this person? He goes, I'd throw the book at him and he goes to throw this book at Joker and this, this cardboard standout of of Batman kind of pops up. And it's just like, you know, what a hypocrite you are, Gordon, you let this man do whatever he wants. He's just as crazy as I am. Like the, the systematic breaking down of, of commissioner Gordon's, mental state and his values he's going to take this perfect person and make him just as insane as he is yeah and even in the in the chris nolan movies and in all the other adaptations of batman commissioner gordon is the the white knight right he is the one that no matter what rules are the rules i want people brought in and taken to arkham asylum i don't want you to 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 hurt or maim anybody i i want i want criminals to be where criminals belong and and he flirts with this this notion even with Batman, right? That he's still a vigilante and he wrestles with is the greater good letting Batman do his thing or not. And Joker really just going after him psychologically to to corrupt that character and then ultimately failing 
even in circumstances that would make any other normal person, any other person snap and have that one bad day, uh, f- just really kind of speaks to the character that they've created with Commissioner Gordon and just how strong of a person he really is. <laughs> the other thing I really would say that really took me by surprise was, um, again, because I don't have a, a vast knowledge of, of Batman, was the scene where Barbara Gordon gets shot and yes. paralyzed. Because Joker just, you know, she answers the door. There's the Joker wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, a hat, and sitting there with a revolver. And anytime you've ever seen any movie or anything in cinema where a person has a gun answering the door, it's let me in and let's have a menacing conversation. And he doesn't say anything. He just puts the gun right on her hip. And just this is fires. that version of the Joker that just wants to watch the world burn. He just wants to push that right button. He he goes there with the intent, fully in- intending on just shooting Barbara because he's the closest person to Gordon. And again, this is all about him trying to prove a point. Yeah, it just so you said it breaking. So he broke out of Arkham Asylum, and it's not to do a series of things. It's not to take over the bank. It's not to to rule Gotham for forty eight hours. It's to break gordon and to to break batman uh so it it was just utterly terrifying i didn't see it coming uh caught me by surprise and mark hamill does such a great job with every menacing word out of his mouth he does a great job and you got to give some credit to the animators of this film too especially in that scene that door opens and you just see these white little beady eyes of the joker and it is it is scary it is not for the faint of heart and he's just he is creepy and and just downright scary as hell. The the thing will give you nightmares if you you know don't know it's coming. And and it startled the hell out of me. The other yeah. thing that really impressed me or I thought was very interesting about this movie was we get an actual little backstory on the Joker. Now yes, the the question is can we trust it? But we'll get to that in a minute. But throughout all of the canon that I've ever known of the Joker, including again the Dark Knight trilogies and all that stuff too, uh even the, the new Suicide Squad movie, we don't get much backstory on the Joker. He just kind of comes on this to the scene. There's fake stories out there everywhere. But this was really interesting to see the Joker with a family, with a wife, with a, a pregnant wife. Uh, knowing that he was an actual, you know, failed scientist, but is now a comedian. Like we get a, a big layer to him, and we start to humanize him, which is odd. I'm, I'm I was, I was, I really, I didn't know what to do. I was yeah, like, I, I'm starting to care about the Joker. Now that's wrong, man. I can't care about the Joker. The thing, the great thing about this is that this is the closest thing you've ever gotten to an origin story for the Joker, even in the comic book to this day, you don't know who he is, where he came from. We assume this is the correct backstory, but in the, even in the comic book and even in this movie, we get to the end of it and he says a, a line that he's just like, you know, I, I, the, all of these backstories, they get mixed up. I don't even know what's true half the time. Like, he doesn't even remember who he was before those chemicals hit him. And there's an interesting line that Batman says when he's in the, the Batcave with Alfred. He goes, there's so much hate between the two of us. And I don't know but, anything about him. Right. And he doesn't know anything about me. And Alfred's like, I want to be I want to be too sure about that. Yeah. In the sense of both ways that. Bruce has a better understanding of the Joker than he cares to admit or let on. Mm-hmm. And the Joker obviously has a way stronger understanding 
a Batman than than Batman. Yeah, and that that absolutely lends to the the next theme. And, and honestly, like even for the Joker, like the the Joker doesn't care. He doesn't care who's behind the mask. Right. And this this movie does uh, does it, and this this comic book did it, and even like f- future comic book stories have have done the same thing. He's just like, I don't care. I just want. I just hate you. I just want to kill you. And the symbol, right? You know, the symbol of what you stand for is something that I need to take down. I need to break right. down. And it's very interesting to see, again, I, I, do we trust it or not, that Batman had some doing in creating his worst nightmare. Inadvertently. Yes. Um, yeah, which is uh, – and when like when you watch the, the, the 1980s Batman – uh, and when you watch you know, some other things, Batman isn't there to make the Joker, right? He didn't make in, the Jack Nicholson Joker. In the Joker. 88 film, Did he, he was. I yes. misremembered then. I apologize. In the 88 film, he was. Uh, they, they, they took that story a little bit to the extreme where um, Joker was a mobster working for uh, Falcone. And very similar. He gets – he's running away from Batman. He falls into the vat. Um, but, 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 but that's like an indirect thing. And this was a little more, if Batman hadn't been there, this would have never happened. Right. If Batman hadn't been there, the, I mean, the heist would have gone off the, the same way. Like Batman, again, never intended for this guy to fall into the vat. It, it was just a right. random circumstance of Jack Napier running away and not being able to see in that hood. And he ends up falling into this vat of chemicals. Oh, and speaking of the the hood, again, as my limited comic book of Batman yes. knowledge comes in, even I was like, ooh, Red Hood, that means something. That is important to Batman characters. Yes, uh, so being like as Jason that, Todd becomes the Red Hood. I like that Jason Todd and stuff that I'll probably learn in the future has a tie into this little moment. God, you really need to read some comics. I know, I've I really got, do. I've it's got okay. some for you. That's okay. Um, um, but honestly, you you mentioned about just the extreme hate between the two of them, and that, that lends right into the other overarching theme in this in this story is what batman is struggling with and it, it this the comic book opens up and this half of the story this half of the movie opens up with him visiting arkham and giving that speech that one of us this ends with one of us dying i don't know who's gonna kill who you may kill me i may kill you but i need to know that i tried to help you before that day comes that i tried everything that i could to prevent this um it's that crisis of this is going to it's an inevitability, right? It's there are two forces, two forces of nature that can exist this way. One will overtake the other, but the fact that there's still that humanity that says, "But I have to try every avenue available to me to not have to take a life or have my life taken from me." Um, it really puts the stakes when it comes to this comic at a pretty high level. Absolutely. Um, and again, just Kevin Conroy's delivery and performance is amazing. Um, but yeah, but that just makes to this to, to when you get to the point where Batman catches up with the Joker, knows where he is, and he's like just <laughs> it's an amazing scene because he's fighting these like clown freaks, these circus freaks, and and Joker's just sitting there on this throne of skulls, just like waiting for him. It, it, talk about just a creepy image and terrifying image. Um, but you get to that point and you as a viewer, I mean, I don't know. And me as a comic book reader, you get to that point. And you're like, kill this guy. Like you need to kill him after everything. This guy has done. You need to kill this. This You need to kill him. Otherwise, it's going to happen again. See, and that's where I had 
wavering questions and wavering things too about like I I know the human urge to do that, but Batman and everything he stands for, and the fact that Jim Gordon. So let's look at this. this there's two people that are truly honest to God, wronged beyond repair, and that's Jim Gordon and Barbara Gordon, and. Jim is the only one that Batman gets to to talk to beforehand. Uh, and as he's about to have a final confrontation with the Joker, Jim Gordon says, listen, I I want him – I want this done by the book, right? It's back to that torture scene. I want this done by the book. Basically telling him, don't kill him. Don't kill him. I have been wronged just as much as you have. Don't kill him. Pleading for him to do that. And then we get to the actual – "Quote unquote killing joke," mm-hmm. um, which is you know again Batman again has this moment. Let me try to let me try to heal you. Let me try to counsel you. Let me try to help you. I'll do it on a one on one basis. Let me help you. And he and the the joke, if I remember correctly, Brian, two guys are escaping a, a prison. If I remember correctly, that all they have to do is jump a rooftop and they're on their way to freedom. And the first man makes the jump uh, with no problem whatsoever. And then the second one is afraid of heights. So the first one says, hey, I have a flashlight here. I will shine a light on this beam. You just walk across and you'll be safe with me. And he goes, what? Do you think I'm crazy? I'm just, you're just going to turn off the light when I'm halfway through. Right. Yep. And then the Joker starts laughing. And then I, this is where I, I, I grab the panel from the book too. Joker starts laughing and all you see is this huge ha 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 ha. Then you see this. Batman's starting to snicker. Then he starts laughing. Now there's two ha 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 ha's. And then finally, all you see in the comic is one ha 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 and a, a pan down to, you know, rainy water. But in the movie, it's the Joker's laughing, Batman's laughing, and then you don't hear the Joker anymore. And you just you just hear Batman laughing and then pan down and you just hear the police are, are coming in. Now, this has been a, a ending that has been battled, debated, and done by way smarter people, people with better insider information than the, the two of us. Uh, and it's always been an ambiguous ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I watched it the second time, and just with the Killing Joke material that we've been talking about so far, um, I honestly want to believe, and again, I, and I think Brian and I have talked about this, we interpret Batman different ways, and this really tells you how do you interpret Batman, and I don't think he kills the Joker. What do you uh, think? So, I mean, on my first read, like, you want to think the best of Batman. And you really do. So, I mean, I, I definitely would say my gut reaction is to say he didn't kill the Joker. But knowing that this story is not necessarily supposed to take place in right. continuity and some new facts that just got revealed in the comic book, um, I think he might have. See, I, I want to not believe it because... I I truly believe that Bruce Wayne loves uh, Jim Gordon as a father, right? He he honestly has a a, a connection to him, uh, and even though he has also strong feelings for for Barbara, I think he knows that if he kills the Joker, the Joker wins. And and what's the point? And yeah, some other people are are going to get hurt by by not doing this. But the question is, do you lose yourself to save others, or do you? Or do you just try to let the cycle repeat? It's a very complicated thing. I just want to hope with my Batman, right, with the way I see him in my head, <laughs> uh, that he doesn't kill. And honestly, I, I mean, even though the writers of the book have been very 
ambiguous. They're very ambiguous about they it. They haven't. They let the reader decide how they interpret Batman. I just don't see him killing them. Well, that's, and that's just, the that's point. Just me. It's just Which like what kind great. of Batman? Yeah, what kind of Batman do you want? Do you want the guy who would sacrifice his soul to save potentially Many. hundreds of thousands of people? Then great. Then he killed him. But if you do, you want the guy who is the White Knight who is. The guy who hugs the line but never crosses it, then he didn't kill him. And that's the beauty of this story. That's the great part about this story. It is the top spinning at the end of Inception. You interpret <laughs> right. that ending the way you want to. And and I love how the story approaches the Joker. It all becomes psychological. I love the backstory that we get from him. Um, and, and I really love the stakes. Uh, you know, it's terrible, absolutely atrocious what is – intimated that the joker does to to barbara gordon not only just paralyzing her but there's a there's a really big hinting of some some sexual assault uh and it really puts the stakes high that even if you don't want batman to kill the joker you understand why he would right it doesn't tarnish his character if he is and if he if you want him to kill the joker and he doesn't you can understand why he did it. it 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 gives you clearance to to fight your own self which is great it's, it gets in your own psychology it's a great um, story it's, it's an amazing it's, story it's great and now i'm really mad and that it, I it is a, it, it is like a 32 page comic book dude yeah and, and it's the a actual, short story it's a short read and it, it does all of this stuff inside yeah. of those like 30 pages and the actual animated movie when you just get to the actual killing joke and we're going to talk about the prologue in just a moment it's also very about 40 quick. minutes about 40 minutes it's very short yeah uh, it feels great now th- let's get to the controversy of this so um the directors of this movie added a, a little prologue which which is f- what, what i thought was funny was literally the first line was batgirl's voiceover goes i bet you didn't expect the story to start here right especially this isn't with, the story you're expecting this is the story you're expecting but especially this, this with stories me. about me yeah. yeah especially with me and you're just like uh okay so fans of the killing joker are like what is this so you were a fan of, of the Killing Joke, and this is not something that was in the the book. What did you think about the fact that they opened with this Barbara Gordon Batman relationship building exercise? So I completely understand the need for a prologue. I completely understand the need to add more content, get a little bit more out of it, do a seventy minute runtime. I get that. I also completely understand the need to add more Batgirl because the Killing Joke does not have Batgirl in it. It is pretty much Barbara it's like gets shot. Forty seconds of Barbara Gordon, and that's right. it. And for those like yourself who are not ingrained in the Bat universe, you don't know who Batgirl is. You don't know who Barbara is. So when that happens, you need to care about the fact that this girl gets shot and is paralyzed. Absolutely. So I understand all of that. Um, so here's I, the controversy, folks. The controversy is. First of all, well, let, let me before go we ahead. get to no, the go ahead, go ahead. Go, go I back. felt that prologue was a little weak, and, and I understand what they were trying to do. I understand they were trying to build Batgirl as a character and kind of take her to, you know, put her in a situation where she's brought to that brink, where she's just like, I need to give this up. She, as a character, has always been something who is who is invigorated by the chase, invigorated by the life. She is not someone who was adopted like Dick Grayson was. She was not someone who was brought into this life by Batman. She one day decided, I'm going to put on a suit and fight crime, and Batman just didn't stop her. That's really kind of her Which story. I didn't know, right, that yeah. she wasn't trained by Batman, that it's not the official stamp. It's basically trademark well, infringement, right? She, yeah. She's she, basically she totally trademark counter. infringes on him. Uh, <laughs> she, he's, she's not officially trained 
um until much later right and and the prologue again someone who doesn't have the backstory who doesn't have the knowledge didn't express that to me but it showed this intimate connection and it showed that she really does look up to him and just like you said that she's a bit of a thrill seeker that this is like her you said like like a drug of choice right she's just kind of like an an addict for this adventure and that's what this prologue did for me i mean it felt a little disjointed it felt like definitely too completely separate separate stories what i will Um, say though too is it it did a great job of setting up the violence and the the crazy the darkness that you're gonna see this um paris france character is kind of like joker light uh and uh you get a couple headshots and you know people die in front of you uh in the prologue so like it, it sets up that hey this ain't your normal batman story don't yeah. if you're expecting the '90s cartoon, <laughs> tell your kids to leave the room because people are gonna get people are gonna get hurt and some things are gonna be done. So I do like that. the The controversy lies not in the sense of eh, it's not a very good story. There's a a moment where you know Batgirl confronts Batman on a, on a rooftop about I belong to you know be working the case. I belong working with you. I belong in this line of work. I'm not gonna fall into some dark despair that you keep saying. I'm not gonna hit the brink and and break. And then they have this this small fight, which leads to a very intimate moment where they have sex on a rooftop, and a couple people are are crying foul and hey, you've ruined Batgirl. And a lot of people are just coming at it really aggressively. Uh, and I can kind of understand and see their point, but at the same time, I, I think a couple people, the way that they're coming at, it is a little overreactive. I kind of understand and see their point too, but. And this is something I, I was explaining to you earlier um, when you did not embargo me. Um, <laughs> I did not embargo Brian for this. We had yeah, a little discussion really about nice. this just so we could do that. But this character, before she got crippled, no one really gave a crap about Batgirl. She, and the, the, the Batgirl that everybody has in their mind was built from this moment on. And, and this strong, confident, smart crime fighter was not the case before and by this, this moment you mean the killing joke not the, killing the prologue joke. the killing joke yes okay got it. i just want to make and, that clear and the fact that her and bruce have a thing has been heavily hinted several times in the comic book and i think people are losing sight of that because it wasn't ever done outright and they actually did a story as well which technically isn't continuity in a, in a batman beyond story where her and Bruce absolutely had a thing, and she got pregnant because of it. So, like, right. this isn't the first time we're hearing this. Right. This so, isn't a, a brand-new story approach, but it's the first time that it's been done in this kind of venue, in this proximity right. to the killing joke. Right. And it, it, it's the first time it's really been like, yep, it happened. It, it's not, like, intimated. It's not hinted. It's, it's just like Stonehold it, confirmed it that they had sex, right? Right. And, and to be honest, I didn't feel it detracted from the story. I didn't think I, it did either, nor did I think it detracted from her character at all. Right. I mean, there's obviously other ways to build intimacy and close relationships I mean, that they could have done. But let's face it, for the modern – again, for not the true believers, but for the people who are going to pick this up and the people who walk around the mall and go see movies like Josh always talks about – um, you know, sex is a great way to make stakes pretty high and create a quick level of intimacy without having to spend 45 minutes on a story that doesn't it just it gets the point across really quick. Um, it does. But I didn't I, I mean, yeah, it definitely did that. It, it definitely made the stakes high for Bruce when she becomes crippled. Right. But 
I didn't view it as that. I viewed this as she is addicted to this life. Like she, this is her drug. And that moment is just her just succumbing to the drug of it all. Is it and the like, fact that, is it her rock bottom? Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that like, that's the moment, just like, you know, when someone hits rock bottom and says, I need to get clean, she does the same thing after this moment. And they bring in the, the, the thug Paris France, which is a terrible name. Oh, name. Um, she she realizes this this is not healthy for me and she has to give it up and and it's tough and then she has it ripped away from her she can never go back to this life after she's right. paralyzed like th- this is very much an addiction story for her in my mind more so than a, oh they had sex oh right so i'll say this uh, as a again oh. as a non true believer as a person who doesn't have the intimate knowledge i like the the prologue i th- again i think it's a great way to just Tell me why Barbara Gordon is important and why I should care that she got shot because otherwise you know her for eight seconds and you just think she's the commissioner's daughter and no real tie to to Batman or Bruce Wayne. So I appreciate them trying to give me a story uh, that way. I don't think the sex undermines her as a character or cheapens her or cheapens their relationship. Uh, I don't think it's the best way to do it. It's not the worst. It just is. And um, I'm okay with it. I'm not bothered by it at all. Right. So all in all, as a movie, I highly enjoyed this movie. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recommend that anybody who does not have small children around watches it because it, it definitely is rated R and you should not watch it with yeah, small and, children around. And that's something we should talk about. We, we've hinted, we talked about it before in other conversations. This is rated R. This is an animated Batman movie that's rated R. The first one. What was What made it rated R? I really think it was A, a headshot. The headshots there. I mean, there wasn't like a ton of blood or violence, but the headshots, um, I, I think the, the possible sexual about, assault right, is very much worthy of a rated R rating. Um, and that's probably about it. Okay. So it's not vulgar. There's not a whole, I will no, say there's not a whole lot of cursing or anything like that. And it's not like heads explode or anything like that. It's just does, violent. Does Joker call her bitch? Yes. Okay, I have to watch it again, but I'm almost positive. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, anyway, it's not like a, a heavy rated R. It's not ultra violent. It's not extra vulgar. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's not a deterrent for people who are you know squeamish or who hate that stuff for their characters. Uh, but I, I again, Brian, as a movie, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely something that makes me want to invest a little more into the Batman universe and especially with Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman and uh, the upcoming Justice League movie. It, it's going to make me interested a little bit more in in what's going to come down the pipe and maybe I hope that they do something like this. Uh, you need to watch Mask of the Phantasm if you haven't. Uh, I probably should, but I really hope they can kind of put some of this into the DC universe. Uh, just some of this psychology, some of this grit, uh, just – just even a fraction of what they've done, the killing joke in the current DC universe will be a really entertaining movie and a really entertaining thing to see from these two characters. Absolutely. I agree. So the discussion isn't over when it comes to the killing joke. Uh, We want to hear from you guys. I know that we're not the only two people who have, have seen this and have uh, strong opinions about it. So tell us what you think. Did you think that Batman killed the Joker? Do you think that this movie crossed any lines or changed your perception on on Batgirl? So there's a couple ways that you can go ahead and and share your feedback. You can call us directly at 484-373-4444. 
4119. You can also talk to us on Twitter and Facebook at That Kind of Nerd. Just search That Kind of Nerd. You'll find us. And of course, share this episode with your friends who have seen The Killing Joke. Share it with fellow nerds because we really want to hear what you guys have to say as a, as a community. So I want to thank Brian for taking the time to, to talk to me about The Killing Joke and actually giving me access to watch it. Uh, so it was for him, I would have been able to do that. So thank You're you for, for that. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for making us your walk around the neighborhood or your drive to work. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of that kind of nerds podcast join us next week uh, for a new episode with uh, some exciting topics i'm really excited for it so thank you so much and we'll see you next week i'm a good clapper if that would if that's what makes you happy in your life brian good for you good for you i'm never happy